Welcome to Truth Pod, the podcast that proclaims the truth of God's Word without shame or apprehension, where the Bible is the last word on any subject. I'm Russell, your host. Welcome back to Truth Pod. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you're doing well and growing in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are living in strange times. I'm sure you've heard that said more than once. I know I have. I've heard my boss even tell me this, and he's not a Christian, or not claiming to be a Christian. He says, this is a strange world we're living in. (laughs) Yeah, it sure is. Well, um, but for the child of God, this should not be surprising, right? Because the Bible told us it would be like this. Second Timothy 3.1 says this in the New King James. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. I'm not sure anyone knows what to do about the things that are happening all around us. I think there's a lot of confusion, not just in our country, but all over the world. No one knows how to end COVID. The world economy seems to be on the verge of collapse. People are wondering how long it will be before the stock market crashes. So we should not be surprised as Christians because the Bible said these things would happen. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son. I thank you for your blessings, for watching over us. Thank you for salvation through Jesus alone. Thank you for the cross on which he died to pay our sin debt. And thank you that you're gracious enough to forgive, pardon all of our transgressions, and make it as if we had never sinned before you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm continuing my study. Bye, bye, church. And... um, This is Satan's number one agenda, right? This is it. Number one agenda. Get rid of the church. Persecution cannot stop the church. So he'll try a different method. He's tried persecution and it hasn't worked. He found out, you know, persecution just causes the church to grow and expand. When the early church was persecuted, it caused them to leave Jerusalem. And go into all the world. Just read the book of Acts. So that was, you know, that's what happened when they were persecuted. They they began to spread out. The problem with that, when he did that, was he caused the gospel to spread. He caused it to go into all the world. And, uh, you know, it kind of had a uh, backfire effect, if you would. Um, so instead of persecution... Satan tempts believers into losing interest in church attendance, to no longer think of church as a priority that God doesn't care if you go or not. Remember, I said these studies are for Christians, so if you're not going to church, ask yourself why. Did someone offend you? Is service time too early? Is it your only day off? I've heard these excuses. I'm a firm believer that if you are laid up and you can't go out, you have a legitimate excuse for not going to church. 
If you have the flu or COVID, I wouldn't recommend you going to church. You don't want to give it to others. I believe those are legitimate reasons for going to church. And there may be a few others that I have not listed. I don't try to exhaust all the list, you know, that I have. But those are a few things. If you're laid up, you know, then, you know, I agree. You you have a legitimate reason for not going to church. And if you have the flu or COVID or, you know, like I said, a few other uh, problems. Let me say something before I continue. I have nothing personally to gain by saying these things. I'm not a pastor of a church. No one is paying me or telling me to say these things. I believe as a child of God, we are expected to be in church somewhere. If you've decided to stop going to church, I don't think you could have picked a worse time. With all the things that are going on in our world, you need to be in fellowship with other believers. Think of the church as an ark, a place you can go for safety and respite from a world that's crumbling all around us. I'm going to do something I haven't done in any of my previous studies this week and next. I will be reading two articles written by two different pastors on the subject of church attendance or lack thereof. You probably won't recognize this first pastor, but some will recognize next week's pastor. I would like to acknowledge this article first appeared in Lexington Herald Leader and uh, Pastor, or Pastor Paul Prather. So this article that I'm about to read first appeared in the Lexington Herald. Okay, and I, I got it from um, Pastor Paul Prather. I emailed Pastor Paul after reading this article and asked for permission to use it on my podcast. He gra- graciously granted permission as long as I mentioned it first as in the Lexington Her- Herald. So I have. Thank you, Pastor Paul Prather. And I quote, For the first time since Gallup began tracking church membership in 1937, Americans' membership in houses of worship have dropped to below 50% of the population, the polling organization announced recently. In 2020, just 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, synagogue, or mosque. That's a decline from 50% in 2018 and a precipitous fall from as recently as 1999 when 70% of us for members. Membership has declined across all religious, demographic, political, and geographic categories. Men and women, young and old, black and white, Hispanic, Republicans, Democrats, and independents, well-educated and less educated, Protestant and Catholic, conservatives, moderates, and liberals, people from the Midwest, South, East, and West. Additionally, the number of people who say religion is very important to them has fallen to 48%. Report, reported Sarah Pulliam Bailey of the Washington Post. That's another unprecedented low. 
This ongoing decline in the role and influence of American houses of worship has become all but unstoppable. What's causing the waning of religious allegiance? I am no sociologist, but having been a minister for 40 years and a religion writer for roughly 30 years, I have some theories. It's not just one thing. I believe it's the perfect storm of things. Here are multiple factors I see, and this isn't an exhaustive list. The rise of the internet has made it easy to pick and choose beliefs from around the planet and to chat informally, even anonymously, with those who see the cosmos or faith or God as you do. The internet exposes us to an endless variety of traditionalist skeptics in alternative faiths. Connecting live, in person, with the Baptist or Episcopal congregation down the street can, by comparison, feel frustrating and limiting and boring. It requires commitment. It's messy for many folk. The Internet has become their house of worship. They create their own boutique faith. As one author pointed out to Bailey, in the Washington Post, we're living in a period in which younger Americans, especially, are distrustful of all types of institutions, including police, pharmaceutical companies, that distrust carries over to religious institutions. Young adults are the least religious of all Americans. Skepticism, and even Atheism has become more acceptable, and in some circles, de rigor, the number of atheists is growing and well documented, and a small subsection of atheists have turned evangelistic themselves in advancing their cause, publicly attacking religious or religion at every opportunity. The unsayable has become sayable. This growing, organized pushback has created embarrassment and disillusionment among some who used to be churchgoers, but weren't well-versed in their faith to begin with. Roman Catholic child abuse scandals have shaken people's trust in organized religion. Here's a hint of that. Since the late 90s, roughly about the time the sex abuse scandals became wi widely known, Catholic membership has declined at twice the rate of Protestant membership. 18% versus 9% respectively. A seemingly endless succession of big-time Protestant leaders behaving badly has had a similar, if statistically less dramatic effect on that branch of Christianity. The alliance of white evangelical Christians with right-wing politics have appalled some people who say the congregation or denomination they grew up in is now merely a mouthpiece for the Republican Party, 
They are turned off by a church that they see as less concerned about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the pronouncements of Donald Trump, or rather than the pronouncements of Donald Trump or Sean Hannity. On the opposite pole of the ideological scale, some liberal churches have gotten so caught up in social do-goodism and wokeism, they become indistinguishable from secular charities and community action groups. They're not distinctively Christian enough or Jewish enough or whatever enough to engage people's faith. Sundays are no longer sacred. We play golf. We take hikes. Youth sports leagues suck away parents and kids from church services. Once, youth teams didn't practice or play on Sundays. Many formerly church-going parents find their kids' soccer or baseball successes may are more important than their spiritual development. A lot of churchgoers were never that serious about their faith to begin with. Even among active church members, probably no more than 10 to 20% really shaped their lives around their religion. Rather, the other way around. When all the other contributing factors listed above start tugging at these less dedicated folks, it's easy for them to simply drift away. To me, the future doesn't look promising for organized religion of any variety. We're riding a downward trend and it's hard to see it reversing. In addition, the pandemic has given everyone new paradigms for worship and lots of practice staying home from services. It's not clear to what extent last year's voluntary state-mandated church shutdowns affected Gallup's 2020 numbers, but I suspect the pandemic will, in the end, proved to have been detrimental long-term. Significant numbers of those who, who've had to sit out for the past year may never return. In the future, Christianity, historically the country's largest faith by far, will have to adjust to becoming an ever smaller slice of the spiritual pie. That's not necessarily a bad thing. The earliest Christians were barely more than an obscure splinter group, but they were serious, and they persevered, and they changed the world. End quote. Thank you, uh, Pastor Paul Prather. Um, Pastor Paul is pastor of Bethesda Church near Mount Sterling. You can email him at uh, prattpd at yahoo.com. Wow. That was quite heavy, wasn't it, what he had to say? And you can always reverse it. The beautiful thing about podcasts, you can reverse and listen to uh, his comments over again. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, if I sound, you know, if I sound uh, tough, if I sound like it's a battle, if I sound worn out, Whatever I may sound as I'm doing these, it's because that's the feelings of the moment. You know, that's what's going on. Uh, it's not something to be taken lightly. We need to be praying for the church. You know, 
We need as children of God to be actively encouraging people to be in church and to show up on Sunday morning. When I was growing up, and I I don't know if I've got this written down for later or not, but when I was growing up, I attended church um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That all fell away. The Sunday night, Wednesday night did. They, the church, most of them have cut them out. Oh, and also on top of that, we had Sunday school before church on Sunday morning. So you didn't go to church and you were there for an hour and 15 minutes or so. You were there for about three hours on Sunday morning or, yeah, Sunday morning services. So it's a big difference from today's services. Now we cater to a mentality of people who want to get in and give me a few songs and give me a quick sermon and say goodbye. And that's what it looks like. Now, now granted, I, I know it's really not necessary to go through a long list of uh, this going on this week and this going on this week. I know that a lot of that can be cut out. I realize that. And, and church doesn't have to be you know, three to four hours a day. I realize that as well. I mean, you can have, you know, worship and and just get into an intentional worship, you know, service and then have a sermon and, uh, you know, and then go home. You can do these things and be fed, but also you also get the mingling of with other brothers and sisters and, and fellowshipping with them and you know, and talking to someone you might not have seen for a while because they happened to be out because they were sick or someone died in the family or whatever it might be. They were on vacation somewhere. You know, fellowship, uh, get together, breaking of bread and these things, you know. Anyway, all of that was off script. Okay. Uh, All right. So did this article speak to you? I hope it did. You know, uh, it did me, it did to me the first time I read it. It succinctly said what I was feeling, you know. That's why I emailed him and asked him if I could use it in these uh, podcasts. I'm concerned about the church as a whole. You know, I'm concerned about young parents that are not bringing up their children in church. I'm concerned about that. That's heavy. That's heavy on my heart, you know, about parents, mom and dad that not are not getting up on Sunday morning and getting their little ones dressed and taking them to church so they can learn about Jesus, the lover of their soul, you know, and then they're dropping the ball at home too, you know, and uh, they don't feel that reinforcement because they don't have any reinforcement. The church is a great reinforcement for, you know, uh, educating your children about God. Most people in this world, most people in this world that have values, and I'm talking about Judeo-Christian values in this world, they have them because they were sent to church as a little boy or as a little girl. They can tell you, oh, I remember growing up in church, and I can remember this. And they might say, oh, I hate the church now. But they remember those things that were taught them. They remember hearing the the teacher teach about Jesus walking on water, about 
you know, Noah building this big ark, this big boat, you know. Uh, they remember the story of Jonah and that great fish that swallowed him up, you know. They remember these things. But they remember them most of all. And I'm not saying exclusively, I'm saying most of all because they had learned it in church. And mom and dad had either taken them to church or sent them to church when they were little. And we're seeing a church that a group of people that are falling away from that and will no longer be sending their little ones to church, will no longer be taking their little ones to church. It's a sad time. Parent, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. You need to search your heart. You need to get on your knees. You need to open the Bible and say, God, am I wrong? At least start it there. At least start it there. Am I wrong for not going to church? Is it okay that I just miss church? That it's, is it no big deal? Do you really care if I go to church or not? At least do these things. Get before God and pray, humbly kneel and pray and ask him these things and then search the scriptures yourself and see what they have to say and be honest with yourself. Be honest. You know, don't leave it to chance. Don't let, don't just continue to drift along because someone is educating your children. Okay. Someone is going to be educating your children and they're going to be telling you and your, your children rather, they're going to be telling your children that there is no God, that you can do whatever you want, that there are no absolute uh, morals. There's no moral absolutes rather. They're going to be educating your children, whether, you know, whether you like it or not, they're going to be doing it. So your children are going to be educated one way or another. You have, and they have their best defense, rather, by them being taken to church when they're young and their little minds are impressionable. And they can learn about the, the gracious love of God that he has for them. And about a Savior named Jesus who came to this world because he loves sinners. They will learn and memorize that famous verse, that great and wonderful verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Their chances are lower if they're not going to church. Teachers in church encourage their little, your little ones to memorize these Bible verses, to take these Bible verses and put them into their hearts. Yes, they give them prizes for doing so. Yes, they give them treats for doing so. But it's a thing that they put in their minds and will be there when they're grown up and the darkness of life faces them. They'll have some light they can look to. Parents, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. My wife and I, we raised our children and we raised them in church. We took them to church, whether it was snowing, raining, whatever the weather condition was, 
We took them to church. Whether there was sports being played on Sunday or not, we told our son, you are not going to skip church to play baseball. It won't be happening. And the same thing with our daughter of any sports, both of them. It will not be happening. You can play after church, and that's fine. You can play after church, but you will not be playing during church because during church, you will be in church. You know, and uh, that's what we did with our children. We loved them enough to take them to church. And we loved the church enough to raise our children in church. Now, what they do after they're grown up, parents, you, you can't control it. You have no control what they do with their lives after they're grown up, the decisions they make, you have no control. It's a lesson I'm still learning, you know, seemingly all the time. Take your kids to church. I implore you, please, take your kids to church, parents. It'll be the best thing you could ever do for them. It'll be the best thing you could ever do for yourself. Take your children to church. It's hard. This is a hard subject. I I take no glee in it. I am not, you know, excited to pound the bench, you know, so to speak. But I feel it must be said. It must. I hope you will remember Sunday is is the Lord's day. Not our holiday. So go to the house of the Lord. You won't regret it. God bless you, and thank you for listening to this podcast. Let me end this podcast by asking you this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If not, you can. He loves you and wants you to be a part of his family. The first thing for you to do is admit you're a sinner, and you cannot save yourself. Second, believe that he died for you and ask him to forgive your sins. Third, thank him for saving you and commit to living the rest of your life for him. If you have any questions or prayer requests, just email me at truthpod at yahoo.com.